Welcome to the Think Rural Podcast, sponsored by the Texas Social Media Research Institute and the Rural Communication Institute at Tarleton State University. Here's today's episode. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining this week's episode of the Think Rural Podcast. We're so excited that you're here. And everyone, if you've seen the news, and I know you probably have seen the news, heard from a neighbor or from a friend via telephone conversation about the war in the Ukraine. And we are in the second week now, unfortunately. And so we were just talking about it as a group with the Rural Communication Institute, as well as the Texas Social Media Research Institute, about how the war in the Ukraine is affecting all of us. And so we have folks all across the United States um, in our scholars and also in our fellows program with RCI or with the Rural Communication Institute and TSMRI. And so with those, we cut, we look at issues from various different perspectives. And so I'm just going to open it up to the group and groups, group members, if you can say your name and your response to this question. Here we go. So um, with the war in the Ukraine, it's affecting us on so many different levels. If you've driven um, in the United States, gas has increased so much. Um, I think gas in one U.S. state has reached $5 a gallon. I am not looking forward to filling up my tank every week. But with that, you can imagine that other things will be affected like food, transportation as a whole, um, oil, the price of oil has risen to a record number, I think since um, the 2012 rate. And so those are things that we just need to keep in mind as we are living our everyday lives. So I'm gonna open this up. In which ways is the war in the, in the Ukraine potentially affecting us in the new United States and abroad. And we have, um, we have one of our scholars from Brazil um, and from the US and abroad. How is the war in the Ukraine, Ukraine affecting us from a rural and or a social media standpoint? Okay, I will start. I am Renata Maron from Brazil. I am a journalist and I think it's affecting all the parts here especially the farmers, because we have uh, food security in, in the game. So we see a lot of things happening. So as an example, in Brazil, we are depending on fertilizers from Russia, from Canada. So uh, as you know, from Russia, we have depending 40%, almost the, the, the medium that we need to support our agriculture. So this is one point. The logistic part is, as well is important because Russia is an important supplier of wheat and uh, corn as Ukraine. So they change the, the world, the, the prices and give uh, the food security for the world. So we need this to, to support us and we need the end of the war because we have to be more responsible with not just our part, but all of the roads. So here in Brazil, we are just praying for the best and the diplomacy that this war can be the end and the, you can go to a better world. That's my point of view. And uh, I have two points of, uh, about the media, social media, for example. When you use for the best part, it's very good, but we have a lot of fake news that you know here in the USA as well. So we needed to do balance to know all the parts to see what's gonna be very good for us and what's gonna be affect us. 
So I need to 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 pass to to you guys about the the situation and the point of view of Brazil. And here for the Latin Americans, we are seeing that these two points of view. Some specialists said that uh, the USA has to use more force and has to be more activity from the war. So another point of view is no, you have to be the sanctions is are good for the diplomacy is a better path. So that's the, the scenario here. Thank you so much. I mean, you, and the reason we started recording is because especially, <laughs> I mean, and I love the different points of view from um, our groups because we're coming to it from many different perspectives, from many different disciplines. And so um, it's it's all, that's why this group is so amazing. Okay, let's see who else, um, who, who's next? Hi, it's Lauren. Um, I am coming from a perspective of being here in Arlington, Texas um, in the U.S. So I will first hit on the social media standpoint. Um, and I kind of want to piggyback on what Renata said about, you know, the fake news and just kind of figuring out um, what's accurate and what's not. Because as someone who, again, is not anywhere near Ukraine or Russia, um, it's kind of hard to you know, figure out what's accurately going on um, and to speak on it because I don't want to spread any more misinformation if I'm misinformed myself. Um, so just as someone who wants to kind of keep, you know, informed about what's going on, sometimes it's hard to figure out, you know, what is accurate um, and what's not since, I mean, almost everyone is reporting on this. You have, you know, credible news sources and you have gossip blogs. So it's like, you really want to be careful um, about what you're reading um, and if it's accurate, if it's true, you know, you wanna make sure you're checking it, um, fact checking it. I know some social media sites do the fact checks. Um, so just make sure you're on the lookout for that because I just, I wouldn't want anyone to spread me um, misinformed information. So that is um, something concerning the social media realm. And I think for the rule, and I mean, it can really go for anybody, but I feel like what will hit harder is just affording um, items with inflation. Um, since we will see inflation, I mean, I've seen it here. My mother was just speaking on it about things just at the dollar store. You know, stuff has skyrocketed in prices. Things that used to be four dollars are now seven, eight dollars. Um, and so I think when it comes to food or just items, it's already been hard enough for those areas to get those items. So imagine now that it may be double its cost, maybe even harder for people to even afford those items. So I feel like that may be a big challenge. We'll see. Um, really soon and it is really worrisome um but i mean it's something that we're gonna have to tackle when we get there or i guess we're here so something that we're gonna have to tackle so that's kind of my feedback on this war Ahmed, i think you're next oh salutations Ahmed here in west texas um, <clears throat> entering in through the, I guess, perspective of an offspring of immigrants, especially um, coming from a cultural origin that plays a crucial tie and close relations with uh, Russia, um, being the Republic of Turkey, and the crucial role that Turkey has in controlling the Black Sea. Um, but giving some perspectives, when we're talking about the price of oil, one unique thing is oil still has not been sanctioned by the rest of the world. However, what we're noticing is due to the actions of governments, 
um, Russian oil is like stigmatized now. None of the oil companies want to touch it. And that's why we're seeing the inflation and increase in, um, in oil prices because they're afraid seeing what the US or uh, Western countries are doing with the Russian oligarchs, what they're seeing with the sanction of airspace that they don't even wanna risk touching Russian oil barrels because they don't know what may happen as we see Western countries taking uh, influence in there. We've seen it influence the way that we travel. Um, I know that Delta, you know, suspended its agreement with the Russian owned air, airline uh, Aeroflot. <laughs> And how, <clears throat> and how it came with, you know, sharing the agreements where usually if people were traveling to Russia and booking their airlines, Delta served as just like uh, United serves with other airlines such as Turkish Airlines, Polish Airlines, that's no longer an option. Some search airline indices. So we're not maybe, maybe looking at social media, but digital media. If you're looking at flight paths, most of, some of the search engine uh, sites have suspended Russia's Aeroflot as an actual search option airline for people to choose to fly through. So, so we're kind of seeing it even in that perspective being influenced. Um, if we're seeing it in, you know, you know, um, at least uh, discourse and having reached out to my Russian colleagues and some of my Ukrainian colleagues to see how things are we're also seeing just as you all are kind of at least seeing in western news this perspective and shaping of um, how it's being perceived a lot of russians at least or protests are occurring and things of that sort so this form of like societal forces playing a role in shaping that um it's also shaping and influencing media so the russian media outlet called i believe called rt used to have a branch in american cable networks However, obviously due to, you know, um, the relations sanctions imposed by the US, they laid off all their American journalists and suspended due to not being accessible on cable. So Russian media is no longer accessible or that well-known media outlet that people here in the US had access if they wanted to get information outside is no longer accessible. We're also seeing it in some way, shape or form heavily influencing sports. Um, at least European soccer as a whole, and even the World Cup. For instance, um, if we look at the club level, the Chelsea Football Club, who used to be owned by Russian oligarch Obramovich, he recently released his ownership and is actually trying to offshore or sell the club, as well as some of his properties in the United Kingdom. Russia, the national team, was suspended from competing in the World Cup and the influence that that places. All Russian clubs, have been suspended from competing in the European Championship. And it's also affecting, uh, I was reading a recent article about Ukrainian players that play for Russian clubs and whether or not they've chosen to take an absence of leave and whether or not they may renew certain contracts. So at least that's kind of how I've seen it in multiple perspectives there. And I mean, you're, you're right. It, it's affecting so many different um, aspects. I mean, I think the Paralympics is now, um, you know, that Russia cannot participate in the Paralympics now. Um, it, it's it's very, very interesting, y'all. So, okay, who else wants to weigh in? Um, I was listening to the news the other day um, and they were kind of, kind of changing course of it. They were talking about how to um, discuss this event with your children. Because um, if you think about it, like, 
you know, our parents had to discuss with us about 9-11, you know, and things like that and educate like, okay, this is what's going on in the world, things like that. And so now it's like a whole new generation is having to discuss with their children, you know, what's going on in the world is wild. And so they were saying that, you know, number one, like get a globe or a map and kind of show the distance between where you are versus where Russia is and Ukraine and things like that. And that's how one way to let your kids know, even though, you know, you see missiles and things like that going on or, you know, being hit in Ukraine and we send our love to Ukrainians. But um, right now, Russia's too far from where we are, you know? And so, um, and then also um, kind of reassuring your kids and put doing like a positive light and writing um, thinking of you letters to military. And uh, I think they do have um, places you can send letters and stuff to Ukraine. Um, I know it's kind of hard to ship stuff to Ukraine right now, obviously, but um, I, I do think that there's like a way that you can drop things off and, and stuff, but you can also send it to our, um, I think there was like a certain Air Force, um, I can't remember, a group in the Air Force was actually like deployed. And so um, you can send them letters and things like that as well. And so I think it's just kind of a good way to educate your kids about what's going on in the world, but also bring a, I don't know, I guess like a humanitarian aspect to it of, you know, this is what's going on in the world. It's dark right now, but we can spread light by writing a letter or educating our kids and, you know, reassuring them that, you know, Russia is far away from where we are and things like that. So, um, I thought that was a neat aspect because I was like, what do kids think about what's going on right now? Because, you know, they see it, you know, they hear it and things like that. And so um, what do they think? Do they just see a big missile being hit on the ground? And then they think like, oh, my gosh, my home is going to be gone by the time I get back home, you know, things like that. So it's always a good idea to just sit back and say, you know, I probably need to educate my child on this and what's going on because they're our future. Um, and then um, there was something else I was going to talk about. Um, oh, I was going to talk about like social media aspect. And, you know, everyone's basically touched on this a lot, but um, the fake news, but also it's a resource for people to um, find where they can donate and give supplies and things like that. I've seen a lot of people sharing um, links and websites and just different things that you can donate money or figure out where you can send supplies and water and emergency kits and things like that. So I have seen that. So yeah, there is, you know, the bad part where, you know, um, topics may get misconstrued or anything like that, but it's also like a really good resource to spread out that information very quickly, very fast. Um, so that's what I, that was my two cents on the social media part. And then um, another one was 
um, Amit kind of touched on this too, but people have kind of seen how, I, I think we always had this idea of how um, controlling people are with our money. And I don't know if you've seen lately that um, Apple Pay has shut down in Russia. And I think Google Pay has shut down in Russia. And so there was a picture on the um, on Twitter the other day, um, this news lady shared it. And many people were trying to um, get home on the subway, but their Apple Pay wasn't working or their Google Pay wasn't working because they shut it down. And so I think a lot of people are seeing, really seeing how fragile Apple can literally just shut down our cards right now if they wanted to. And so a lot of people are saying, you know, a, a cash system is a lot of people are now wanting to carry cash because they're like, if Apple can shut down the cards in Russia, they could shut down my card right now if they wanted to, you know. And so I think a lot of people are, are starting to look at um, currency and starting to see that the power of the dollar is still well and alive. Um, so, yeah. Wow, so many good points, everyone. Okay, Anna. <laughs> yeah, so just to uh, jump in and, and probably touch on what everyone else has already touched in, but um, I'm Anna Laurent, and I'm just going to kind of come up at it from a perspective of, um, you know, what I've noticed temperature-wise on social media from people in my hometown and in rural areas and their reactions to it. Um, I think it's interesting to note that uh, COVID, which was a global issue, um, you know, it divided people so deeply, but then with this in Ukraine, you've seen people, specifically rural Americans, um, kind of unite and have one solid feeling towards it being negative, like that this is a bad thing, this, you know, shouldn't happen, and really anger, whereas with COVID, it kind of split them in opposite directions. Uh, you know, and it, in some ways, you kind of see them feel validated, um, like, this is why we don't give up our guns, or, you know, you see all these memes or different things like that, and for better or for worse, they feel validated about their values and, and certain things, uh, and I think it's probably the case could be made for this is because with COVID, things were, there's a huge problem with health literacy in rural areas and, you know, not understanding the science and the, and the things behind COVID, but unfortunately, violence and war is very basic and very primitive, and it's something for them to easily understand, digest, and, and get behind. That, that makes sense. I mean, you have like a very complicated issues that, that's hard to explain, like COVID and, and health um, you know, health practices and health disparities and like all of those complicated things that I just learned about, you know, not too, not too long ago, especially with what we were exposed to on the news in the past few years. And then you have, you know, war, which we've been at war 
since the beginning of time. And so that's something like you mentioned, like the super primitive that people can easily understand. So it, it's very, very interesting. And I, I just hope that, um, I mean, and I'm glad to have this conversation, y'all. This is really my first time talking about this outside of family. And so this is very, very interesting from multiple perspectives. And I know Avin has, um, has another comment. Yeah, I think another thing to kind of chime in is the ironic part um, that also comes with this irony in ways um, of what's occurring as um, was mentioned by Anna and perspectives of how Americans feel about it is the, the irony that comes with it is Americans obviously empathize what's going on with Ukraine. How are the majority of being involved with it with it is heavily opposed to wanting to according to like polls done by the Hill um the new york post so we see that clearness in like we empathize with them but there's this still hesitancy on mm, okay it's good that we're doing sanctions maybe we can send relief money but we don't want any more involvement by then another thing that we're really seeing is um that i forgot to um mention too is when all this happened um we're seeing an also attitude and behavioral shift um within the Balkan states, Moldova quickly applied for their um, European ascension because of concerns, because Moldova doesn't have any relationships to, um, you know, and ties towards that concern and wanting to be a part of the EU and have that. Um, Ukraine has attempted to go about that as well too. So we've seen even shifts on the European bloc on how it's playing a role, not only if we look at, you know, um, how it's being covered in, in media and, and, and news, but if we look at it through an intercultural perspective on how the sense of identity is being developed in those per, uh, pertaining countries as a whole, we're seeing the shift of Ukraine, seeing and wanting to appeal and adapt to a more Western train of thought uh, in, uh, in, in complete operate, uh, opposite historical directions of their past. But also if we look at the historical perspective of it is this is kind of a repeat of what already happened during the Obama administration with, you know, um, the, the private overtake of, um, oh, I can't remember the geographical region of Ukraine, but that incident as well. So just some notes that, um, yeah, bring some context to it too. So, so many like different perspectives, so many um, things that we haven't even, you know, talked about. Oh, Anna, go ahead. Sorry, uh, but no, I totally agree with what uh, Ivan said. It, and it is funny because you could kind of notice that, well, it's not funny because it's a very sad situation, but you could see like the sentiment didn't really appear to shift towards being empathetic until they saw that Ukraine was willing to fight for themselves, if that makes sense. Like once they displayed like, no, we're not going willingly. It, that's when it seemed like it gained momentum. I think if they hadn't have fought back the, the way that they did, people would probably not care as much. And it, it's very interesting, um, even with, you know, from a social media standpoint, how it's being covered and from multiple perspectives. Um, when we hear the term fake news, we think about it from a very Western point of view, but then now the uh, the Eastern part of the world is also um, combating fake news as well. So from multiple perspectives. And then also um, one thing that I just wanted to throw into the conversation as well is the fact that um, with social media, I mean, 
there was this push at the beginning, and I haven't seen it as much anymore, but as the war first broke out, um, social media managers were being cautioned, don't tweet about sales, don't tweet about, you know, all of, you know, this and that whenever, you know, such, um, such acts are happening um, outside of, um, you know, the normal everyday life. And I know you're not seeing it firsthand, but you can see it on the news. So um, try not to be insensitive when it comes to different, um, different things that are happening across the world. And so that was a neat thing, because usually we think about that from a very ethnocentric or American point of view, but then now it's, um, it's basically helping us look at things from a very holistic or world broader worldview standpoint. So I thought that that was really, really neat. Um, and then Angela is joining us as well. Um, Angela, we are discussing the um, how the war in the Ukraine is potentially affecting or is affecting rural areas and also social media or how people are responding or maybe something that you've seen. Oh, hello, everyone. Can you hear me? We can. Awesome. Uh, I'm coming to you live from another Fort Worth garage parking lot uh, in the basement this time, so I'm worried about that. Uh, but yes, um, I think that I noticed there's a couple of themes going around with this one. Um, one thing that, because I, it's hard to, it's hard to really think outside the box, especially when it comes to like, you know, we're living in a world war now. It's, it's so weird. You know, you hear about it on history, you know, or you, you read about it, whatever in your history books about World War II and World War One, but you never think that, oh, the next world war is now. <laughs> My lifetime. Um, so anyway, uh, with that being said, I thought that I thought about the uh, immigration status, uh, and maybe it, it kind of ties back to sort of international, uh, like Im international immigrants in general wanting to sort of come out to and be in the main city areas rather than the more rural and sort of distant areas. I'm thinking about why that is. Uh, I think that. Even if it's a rural area, it's still somewhere else. Um, you know, in the United States, when immigrants come, you know, and seek refuge, I think that the city isn't the best place to do that. Um, in a way, it does. It, you have a lot of resources in the city. That's true. But I think that in order to make it so that rural areas feel more connected and less, you know, divided by uh, maybe ethnicity or divided by culture and all that. I mean. A lot of the reason we're divided is because we don't see it. We don't see other cultures come in. We don't, you know, if you're out there, you know, and you have your own, like, world and somebody comes in and pops that bubble, like, you're, obviously you're going to, like, kind of be aggressive about it. But then later, I think in the long run, it turns into a more communal effect, the same community that you would see, you know, in downtown or in just in your city areas, in your really populated areas. They're populated because that's where they're accepted. But I think that if, there, if that were to just kind of fluoresce into the rest of, you know, the, the space that there is out here, you know, just in, in all those rural communities, I just feel like there would be more of a more of an acceptance. And I don't know if that's coming in out of left field. I I am obviously here very very late, um, but you know, it was a it was a change of plans and courses, and they they put us in a whole new different garage. Um, so I had to navigate my way back to my car. 
But that's um, a very interesting perspective, Angela, because if you think about it, if you look at the, the map of, of the Ukraine, it's roughly the size of the state of Texas. And so um, it also has very urban areas and it has very rural areas. And so with that, uh, most of the attacks are happening in the very urban areas because that's where the critical the critical infrastructure is. If you think about the uh, the nuclear plants, if you think about the um, the the cell towers and things of that nature, that's where they are um, they are focusing their efforts on critical infrastructure. And so, um, you know, is it a benefit to live in a rural area of the Ukraine, or is it a <laughs> a disadvantage because you know people are trying to get out mostly toward Poland? So, um, you know, very very interesting perspective. I liked that. I liked that. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, one thing I want to add, I think just times like these is a good reminder to really open your mind up to the things that go around you. Um, I mean, it just like even thinking about Russia and Ukraine, I never realized how many people, Americans, you know, were like over there, study abroad or just working. That is something like, you know, you hear about the war and you're like, oh my gosh, my heart reaches out, you know, to the Ukrainians and the Russians you know who are in it and don't want to be but it's like there's other people from other countries there too that you know like for work for school and now this is their life and that's kind of no one thinks that you know going in like oh I'm going to study you know school here here I'm going to go work here you don't think like oh my gosh what happens if a war breaks out um you know and just even like the journalists that are over there um who are choosing to stay to cover you know everything my heart really goes out for them because they're you know saying sending their goodbyes to their family sending their love but they're working um and they're covering this for everyone to see and so it just makes you think like oh my gosh it's so many people who are there who it's probably not what they thought their life would be like right now but i mean it's happening um and it's just really something to think about well, everyone, this is, hey, I'm like, I have a ton of notes. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to have to look this up and look this, that up because you guys really, really provided a very broad and narrow, very perspective um, on this topic, this very important topic. So um, we wanted to make sure that we focused our, our meeting podcast discussion on such a very important issue from multiple perspectives. And please feel free to comment when you see this video and to share it with others, or if you're listening on the podcast, um, to share this with other people. And um, please don't forget to like and subscribe, and we will see you guys soon with another topic. <laughs>